You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for joining me, Sharon Noonan, for tonight's Best Possible Taste. Coming up in the programme this evening, resident reviewer Rachel Keeley tells us about her visit to Loam in Galway. Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley has news from the kingdom and a student-friendly recipe. Chef Noel McMeal will be talking about his award-winning cookbook. Folger Ireland's Sinead Hennessy has a round-up of the food events taking place in July. And I meet the winner of the best emerging artisan food product at the Listowel Food Fair. If you have something that you'd like to share with us here on the show, I'd love to hear from you. It could be your favourite recipe or a fantastic food find, anything food or drink related at all. Please do get in touch and you can email me, s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org, which is short for Queen of Organisation. But before you do, it's time to welcome resident reviewer Rachel Keeley and find out about her latest dining spot, which is in Galway City. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel, thanks for coming into the studio this evening. Not at all. Thanks for having me, Sharon. And we're going to talk about a place that is on my list, my ever-growing list, and that is Loam in Galway. Yes, it's on a lot of lists, um, and I had it recommended to me quite quickly. They're only open five months, um, so they're obviously getting quite a reputation quite quickly. And you were up there for a rugby match, was it, that you happened to be in Galway? Yes, well, we actually, we travelled um, We travelled to go to Loam, specifically for the magazine, but of course, with the rugby mad husband, we had to also make it up there in time to be able to get to see the match first and then proceed on to the restaurant. So we got to see Galway in its glory, full of shouting, celebrating Irish, uh, Irish fans, which is great. Really atmospheric night. I um, hadn't been to Galway that many times up until January, and in the space of a matter of months, I've been there, I'd say, at least four times now. John McKenna has described it as the culinary capital of Ireland and it definitely is very different in terms of the choice that's there compared to whenever I was there maybe six or seven years ago. It is and, and it's lovely to see new places open up you know I have to I so admire anybody who takes that risk and that jump at the moment um, I know the economy is recovering but it's still still a scary place to be out there opening up something new and trying different things but Galway seems to really welcome that the people welcome that and they encourage it and they, they foster new ideas and new businesses which is lovely to see. From what I hear about Loam, it's quite a niche type menu and it's a small restaurant. Yes, it's it's actually very, very curious um, in terms of where it's positioned. It's in a former commercial space um, in the more sort of commercial side of Galway. So it wouldn't be, you know, in Shop Street or in, in that uh, near Spanish Arch or anything like that. It's um, around, if anybody knows it, it's just around the corner from the bus station on a street called Gatana Carrock, if you'll forgive my terrible Irish pronunciation. Um, but it's it's open there in very much a commercial space and they've kept it that way, which which I found really interesting. So you've kind of got the exposed air events. You can see, um, you know, the, the guts of the building, I suppose. And it's really, really tall ceilings um, very, very modern interior, very Scandinavian um, in its sort of minimalist furniture. They also haven't packed it full. There are a series of large round tables just distributed evenly around the building but plenty of space between each table so you really have a lot of privacy there too so it's very different you know we kind of walked up and down outside the front of it for a while looking for trying to find you know a a chalkboard or outside of the menu but nothing like that there this is very much a cutting edge environment you make it sound quite sterile 
It's something that I would imagine they, they probably have to work against. Um, they do that through, through a variety of different things. One is that they have a very large trestle table set up initially when you walk in, and that's for the wine bar that it also serves as during the week. Um, and also then they have subdued lighting and they have some plants around and things like that. So they have dealt with the issue of sterile, but at the same time, it's not cosy. You wouldn't call it cosy. Like the, the walk to the bathrooms is, is downright chilly at times. But um, at the same time, these little extras like the subdued lighting, like the um, the, the, the large round tables, um, they do lend kind of a more warmer atmosphere to it. The menu, I believe, is is it a tasting menu that they do every night? Yes, you can either choose from... Um, a set well it's not a set menu but I suppose a, a very small a la carte menu or you can go for the tasting menu so given that when we came in the major d told us that they only have one sitting each evening which I was very impressed by I thought that's a very generous gesture uh, it means then that the guests can sit back and really relax over the food without feeling hurried um, we decided on the tasting menu so that's 60 euro each otherwise you can choose main courses for around 30-35 euro and how many courses are in the tasting menu? Oh, jeepers, when I think about counting them now. Um, I know we started off with Amuse Bouche, and then we had, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven and sweets, I think. Six and sweets, I think. Um, so plenty to keep you full. Well, let's go through it in detail then. You have the details of, you you mentioned there, the Amuse Bouche. What was it? They were fabulous. Um, a really nice introduction uh, to the kind of food we were going to get. It's It's traditional Irish ingredients reimagined really which which was very very um, interesting to eat as well as obviously very flavoursome so we had wild onion local goat's cheese and ash of leek which lent a very very interesting flavour to it ash of leek yes what, yeah. is, what exactly is that <laughs> as it sounds uh, literally ash of leek so that was sort of sprinkled over it um, and lent it a, an interesting kind of charred taste charred in a good way Okay, definitely, <laughs> definitely sounds interesting. But I mean, I suppose instead of using seasoning, that acts as a seasoning almost. In part. Now, obviously, we had a, we, the Amis, which was a variety. So there's a set of different things. So they went with certain flavours, you know. So it was, um, it was definitely interesting and a discussion point. And what did you move on to next? Uh, we actually then moved on to the beef tartare. So we had that mixed through with egg yolk and uh, there was a smashing of tart salted gooseberries on top. Uh, so very, very interesting, very, very nice um, mellow flavour of the tartare and the egg yolk, then just punctuated with the uh, salted gooseberries. So a very uh, good introduction, I think, to, to the meal that was followed. And what size was that in terms of the portion? Was it... Do you know, was it like a ramekin size of food? Because obviously when you're having a tasting menu, you're not expecting the food to come out piled high on the plate. No, but I know that some of the... Um some of the issues, I suppose, levied against tasting menus in the past have been that they've been too spare. Um, and I know that my husband in particular would have that issue with previous tasting menus. That wasn't the case here. I think ramekin is a good description for it. It was about ramekin size, which is probably enough of beef tartare anyway. You don't want to have a huge amount of, of beef, especially earlier on in your meal. So it was generous without being too much. And when it's raw as well, it's not everybody's cup of tea. But I find whenever you have small, manageable portions like that, yes, it's much easier. Easier to 
you know, to, to brave it, brave it out if it's not your thing. But you're saying there about Anthony and about the taste and portion sizes. When I look at myself and I look at my husband and we're going out and we're both having the tasting menu, mm. I feel I have to share some of mine with him because... <laughs> If he he can't possibly be as full on those seven courses as I would be. It's true, and that does happen an awful lot, yeah. But that's where I think the bread basket kicks in in our oh, family anyway. <laughs> the bread. <laughs> you can see his hand reaching across the table for it. And it's something that I don't I don't eat at all um, because like that I get too full too quickly on the other courses. So um, I think that's some smart moves on, on the part of the restaurant. Fill him with bread. <laughs> After the meat then, I, was it fish next? I'm it was fish, it yes. Um, and, I, you know, the something that came through very quickly with the tasting menu at Loam is the arrangement of the plates uh, fantastically well done without being so carefully engineered as to be nearly off-putting you know and, and in this dish that was especially evident there was monkfish cheeks squid ink kohlrabi which is sort of a slightly exotically monikered cabbage uh, and a briny crunchy seaweed dusted with really really green almost emerald green powdered kale so when that was on a plate it looked like I think I wrote in the review it looked like something that should be on a gallery wall it was fabulous looking as well as being incredibly flavoursome it sounds really tasty it was it was lovely the, the you know monkfish can be quite a mellow fish so to have it enlivened with these with these lovely flavours was fabulous after the fish then, I have no idea what could be coming next. <laughs> that was very, very interesting. Probably the best dish out of all of it and uh, no doubt the simplest. It was potato three ways, which sounds almost like something you get down the local cafe, but it was quite different in actuality. It was uh, di- potatoes boiled, potatoes crisped, and then foam of potatoes and all kind of bathed in brown butter sprinkled with shavings of cured egg it was incredibly satisfying and I, th- I think I wrote that it was encapsulates so much Irish terroir in one bowl it was incredible for such a simple dish with simple ingredients very very well done I'd imagine Anthony would have liked a second portion of that he may like you and your husband have had a second go at mine so he got, he got plenty in the end yeah, that's always the way, isn't it? Especially with potatoes come to the table. Yes, no, it was fabulous. Really, really um, enjoyable dish and a reminder of the simplicity of some of the ingredients and, and the purity of them. That was the fourth part of the meal. What came next then? What was number five? That was the meat course. So we had lamb shoulder, um, which was lovely, very, very tender and, and obviously very well done. Uh, it was served with just a little swirl of lamb jus and alongside turnip, ramson and charred leek. So we have more of that. Um, really nice uh satisfying dish you know kind of a nice comforting winter dish because once again in Galway it was lashing rain so it was nice nice to have that halfway through and then what came next um, we had a slightly curious course um, and again this penchant for playing with fire continued uh, we had ash meringue which was served alongside a chervil sorbet which is very licorice like um, and then crunchy malt crumble um, I think I wrote at the time that it tasted like a chemical reaction which is Probably the only way I could describe it. It was a very, very interesting mix of flavours. In a good way or a bad way? Treading the line kind of way, you know. Um, I mean, that's that's part of what a tasting menu should be, though. It should be challenging your taste, but it should be challenging your palate and introducing you to very different flavours. And, and certainly ash meringue was a very different flavour for me, especially when paired with something as... Um, 
as boldly flavoured as Chervil Sorbet. You know, I've never had anything like that before. So it was uh, it was certainly very interesting. It was nice and, and again, a discussion point. But I did welcome then the next uh, course, which was dessert of baby pink rhubarb meringue served with buttermilk sorbet. So that lovely sweetness just swept away that that kind of taste of cinder that lingered from the previous course. It sounds like it was nearly a pre-dessert and then your dessert. Yes, and I'd imagine the idea of the sorbet was to sort of cleanse your palate in preparation for the dessert. Um, But as you say, yes, possibly a pre-dessert. We haven't mentioned drinks now. I'm sure you were drinking some wine as you went along. We were, um, just I suppose given given the Irish wind that was in it. um, We didn't go for the wine pairings. That was €30 per person. Um, Just purely because I find um, over the years with the wine pairings, sometimes I end up drinking more than I had anticipated because a different glass comes along with with every course. So we ordered one bottle um, of, uh, it was a Spanish wine, an Alvarez Nolting, 2009, and that was €39. They have a really varied wine menu really really attractive I could definitely see myself coming back to the wine bar which serves sort of um, nibbly bits along with the wine maybe another time with the girls What was the bill in total then for the two of you? So it was just two tasting courses so €60 each and the bottle of wine was €39 so €159 in total and did you think it was worth that? Did you have any tea or coffee at the end? Was that included? We did. It was included, as were a plate of sweets. So um, uh, yet another dessert. That's probably the third going, um, which were lovely. Uh, a nice way to kind of sit back and enjoy your your teas and your coffees. I know that we had tea, um, peppermint tea, but some of the other people at the other tables, the fellow diners, had coffee, which, which seemed to be served in quite an elaborate way. So the next time I, uh, I have to go investigate that. You said sweets there as opposed to pity for. Yeah, I would probably call these sweets. Um, they were sort of individual fudges and chocolates and caramels and things like that. They would be, to me, more sweets than petit four, but it depends on how technical you want to be, I suppose. Well, it all sounds very nice, and I'm delighted now that you've had the time to come in and talk to me about it because, as I said at the start, it is on my list, and I will have to push it up more to the top of the list and make sure that I get to it the next time that I am in Galway. You have written about it for Food and Wine magazine, so if people pick up a copy of that, they'll no doubt read the review in full there. But it will also be on your blog at some stage, rmkeely.com. Exactly, yes. And no doubt I've been rambling about it on Twitter at, at rmkeely. Rachel, thanks so much for coming in this evening and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for so much, Sharon. Take care. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Thanks to Rachel for her latest review and you can find details of that review and lots of others on Rachel's blog rmkeely.com and indeed if you come across the perfect restaurant that you'd like Rachel to visit and review for the show please do drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie and I'll be sure to pass the details on to Rachel. Still to come tonight, Chef Noel McMeal will be talking about his award-winning cookbook. Fulcha Ireland's Sinead Hennessy has a roundup of the food events taking place in July and I meet the winner of the best emerging artisan food product at the Listowel Food Fair. But next, it's time to catch up with Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
Karen, great to have you in studio tonight. Hi, Sharon. Thank you for having me. You have a delicious recipe for us. It's a chicken, leek and parmesan bake. I do. It's um, it's actually a fantastic recipe because, I mean, everybody loves chicken. And as well, what I like about it is it's light. There's very few ingredients go into it. And it's something that's really quick and easy. Now, I have a food column in the West Cork Times. And I have put that into that um, for this, this, this month's edition. Because I just think my oldest, well, no, my, not my oldest, my second son is heading off to college in September. And we're now looking at food for him to cook in college. And this is something that I think, as I say in that article, you can cook it at home and have it a Sunday lunch with a glass of wine and salad. Or it's something that a kid can take with them, the recipe, and cook in college. It's just, it's handy, it's cheap, and it's it's very easy. So basically what it is, is it's chicken, it's leeks, it's wine, there's butter, there's a bit of flour to make your roux, and there's milk. So what I do, first of all, is I melt my butter in my saucepan and I brown my chicken in this take this off the off the heat and put it onto a plate and then put your leeks in and saute your leeks nice and slowly in the butter. You can add a little bit more butter if you think that the leeks have been absorbing all the butter that's in there and when they're nicely caramelised then what you do is stir in your flour and that'll make a roux around the leeks. Then get about a glass of white wine and throw that in. I turn the heat up at this stage so that it'll bubble up and it'll reduce down quickly. So that's your leeks and your, your wine and then you get your milk and slowly whisk in your milk so that you're making a nice thick like a white sauce um, and then once that's done what I do is put the chicken back in and get maybe two good handfuls of grated parmesan cheese and that just gives it a nice oomph season with loads of salt and pepper back in with your chicken um, let it bubble up for a while so the chicken is you know mostly almost cooked and then you put it into a pie dish and top it with loads of breadcrumbs maybe handfuls that's how I do breadcrumbs maybe about two or three handfuls handfuls of breadcrumb depending on the size of your dish and into the oven gas mark 180 for about 20-25 minutes it's really 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 tasty and just so simple you could actually make individual portions of that couldn't you and freeze them if you're a student and you just don't want to share with the rest of your flatmates that would that will yeah that would be ideal and then as well my oldest son who's now finished college the big thing for him when he went to college first was you know he started a shop in the English market he phoned me one day in first year and he was really excited and he was going mom if I buy chicken fillets can I put them in the freezer and I said yeah of course you can so what he was doing was going to the English market and he was bulk buying his chicken portioning it up into freezer bags and then putting it into his freezer and he was chuffed because he said not only am I saving my legs but I'm saving my pocket and then he had more money for going out on a Thursday night if he wasn't living on junk food so hopefully son number two when he goes off in September will be as savvy as son number one but again and as I say it's it's also a lovely family meal it's quick after work but as well it's special enough that if you had people around you could do it or Sunday lunch I just think glass of wine summer sitting outside in the patio and you're away with yourselves Okay, well, that's a great one to have, and no doubt you'll put it up on your blog. I will be putting it on my blog. dot com. Kenmarefoodies.com. So before you go now, what is new in Kerry? Because we haven't had you in in a while. So what have you been up to? Um, I've been doing research in Kerry for, um, I'm working on a little project that I'll be able to talk about hopefully in the next few weeks or months, but it's a very exciting project. So back about two months ago, I spent a lot of time traveling around Kerry with, um, with people, and we had a day, we did West Cork and Kerry, so... We went to Firehouse Bakery in West Cork. We met Sally McKenna, spoke to Sally McKenna about seaweed. I know that's West Cork, but we start where we started and move up along. Then we went to Mannings and we spoke with Andrew um, 
in Mannings all about what they're doing there with Dingle Dexter beef. They're actually rearing Dingle Dexter beef down in Balaliki in West Cork and they're killing it down there and packaging it and selling it down there and everything. And then we crossed over the border to Benoit, Lord. I know I've spoken about Benoit before, but to me, Benoit is possibly one of the finest, you know, people that I know, you know, involved in food. And to me, he's a true artisan. You know, Benoit is just amazing. And again, you know, he was talking about his inspiration for what he does with his chocolates, how he makes his chocolates. And he lives in Benon, seven miles aside Khmer. He's working out of an old post office. And he said, you know, for example, this morning, he's a Frenchman. I walk to work, he said, and I have my inspiration all around me. I have my cows and my, my hills and my sheep and everything. So so that was West Cork. And then we moved into, um, or sorry, that was over into Kerry. But we went to Dingle. Now, it's been years since I have been to Dingle and I have to say was absolutely blown away by everything that was happening down there. We hooked up with Mark Murphy from Dingle Cookery School. So Mark showed us all around Dingle and he took us to the cookery school, which is an absolutely fantastic setup. I know you've been there, but I think just everything they've got going on there, the vision, the setup, the view, you know, the way they can tie in with everything locally. It's an amazing thing. And I can see that going from strength to strength. He took us to Dingle Distillery, which... What can I say about that? That was one of the most amazing experiences ever. You've been there, Sharon, haven't you? I have. Yeah, it's. Um, how would you describe it? It's. It is. It's an old distillery. It was an old grain store, it's, wasn't it? I mean, it's just one of those places that I know the tourists will love whenever they're there, or it would make for great, you know, just an unusual venue to host something. And it's touristy without being too touristy. Was what mm. what I liked about it, you know, um, being there as a non-tourist, as somebody who was just doing research. I fell in love with the place and there's two great characters down there you know doing the tours um, I can't think of the man's name I know he's a retired guard and I'll probably be shot now but I mean he just made the whole day for us and the whole experience and of course we got to taste the whiskey that's one thing that I would definitely recommend doing and taking a tour of is going online finding out as much information as you can and taking a tour of Dingle Distillery and while you're in Dingle the place that really hit the spot for me was a little shop called Crinkle Cafe or crinkle stores it used to be called um if you've not been there get there you fall inside the door and again it's back to chocolate but oh my god if you've seen the movie chocolat Mm -hmm, it's it's that little shop in dingle it's just full of chocolate and coffees a little bit of artisan food but the whole place is just done so beautifully you know shelved let's say from floor to ceiling full of chocolates full of coffees um and they've got killarney fudge there as well which i think i was talking about recently that's a fantastic or killarney toffee that's a fantastic new toffee which is really beautiful that's there um and it's just it's just a magic little shop it almost should have the little the doorbell over the door when you open just give it that little bit of extra wow but an amazing place I will definitely seek it out now on my next trip to Dingle and you're just talking about the distillery there Geraldine O'Sullivan that used to produce the best possible taste recently made a radio documentary it was called Irish Coffee Undressed and it featured Dingle Distillery in it yeah so I think their whiskey's not available until the end of this year that's right yeah a day I believe it has to be distilling well, the day that we were there um, they distilled a, there was a family down to our take off the first of their their founding father um, gins so you know we were able to watch them and they all lined up and they took photographs and they poured the first out of their cask but they have the tradition down there I suppose it's not tradition because it's new but it's starting it's starting a tradition where they they ring the bell you know for the, the founding father so no it's just it's a fantastic thing to do fantastic it's amazing what they're doing down there well thank 
thanks a million for coming in tonight to share that with us and kenmarefoodies.com is the web address and we shall talk again soon thank you Sharon you're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you've just joined us, we heard earlier from restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley, who enjoyed a lovely meal in Loam in Galway. And just before the break, Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley had news from the Kingdom and a student-friendly recipe. Check out kenmarefoodies.com. Never fear if you missed some of the show, as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week, along with all the previous shows. And you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. Still to come tonight, Fulcher Ireland Sinead Hennessy has a roundup of the food events taking place in July and I get to meet the winner of the best emerging artisan food product at the Listowel Food Fair. Next though, it's time to turn to the telephone and put a call into Chef Noel McMeal, whose cookbook Irish Pantry won a very prestigious award at the World Cookbook Awards in China. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Noel, congratulations on your win at the Gourmand World Cookbook Awards. You must be thrilled. It is amazing. Um, it's like a dream come true. Little did I have. I've always dreamt. There's certain dreams in your life, uh, well, certainly in my life, that I've always wanted to achieve. And one of them was to write a book. But little did I think that it would actually be a book that would be uh, able to compete on a world stage. Well, the book is called Irish Pantry, Traditional Breads, Preserves and Goodies to Feed the Ones You Love. Just give the listeners a kind of a sense about what the book is about. The book is about really about our, really about my life and, and how I grew up in, um, in the country and how, how really we were very much self-sufficient. And that's the reason why it's called the Irish Pantry, because everything that you would have had in your pantry is really um, in the book. And it's all about it tells stories, so many stories, you know, from from when I when I would have uh, been a child waking up and having to come down the stairs uh, to the to the really the woof as such from the, the likes of Victoria sponges and the wheaten breads and the and, and coming down as a child and, and kind of seeing my mother making the buttercream and I couldn't wait to even though it was very early in the morning putting my fingers into the bowl and licking it and my mother slapping, slapping my hand saying now behave yourself and don't eat much of that because you're going to get worms You do get a great sense of who you are as a person because of the personal touches in the, in the book, the anecdotes and you're talking about your mother there is that your mother that's pictured in the book with you there standing outside the door? Oh, I don't think no. I don't think that nice-looking woman would be slapping fingers away from bowls. <laughs> no, but I was, I was always thought it was such fun and laughter. And um, you know, as I grew, as I grew up, and I've, I've kind of reflected very much about the ethos, all about growing up in this household in Ireland, uh, to kind of showcase very much about what our culture really is all about, and about my parents were were people that that give me a, 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 a toolbox, if you could imagine it, a toolbox. And as life went on, they, they, they kept piling loads of great tools um, into this toolbox. And, and when I talk about tools, I talk about uh, the tools of life. And that really was the likes of 
jam making um, and, and that led on to me you know having my own brand at one stage and from that and producing it to on a world stage as well to the likes of being able to be competent as a great chef to be able to feed not just rock stars but certainly world leaders and indeed you have fed world leaders because the G8 Summit was there in Lockern Resort where you're the executive chef a few years ago. And I think that was one of the, the great things. Um, and it was great things, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, kind of do some of the recipes that's in the book reflects very much ingredients that I actually said them. And I said that to President Obama. I says, now that you, you've tasted uh, a great taste of Ireland, now you can have a great book um, to really reflect very much in years to come of what what happened as well, which was which was beautiful. And I think that was one of the great things when I was um, over with, uh, you know, our, the Prime Minister Cameron, you know, very much about, you know, he was very about when he invited uh, invited me over um, after the whole G8 to Downing Street, and I think it's it's nice to be able to give people a taste of Ireland, and that very much reflects what we do every day, um, from our culture, from our uh, wheaten breads to our soda breads to our jam, all the different jams, and there is different slants, I think, on what we do now. Well, I'm looking here now at page 222 in the book where there's a recipe for yellow man because this personally means a lot to me. And yellow man, you made a yellow man ice cream, was it, for the G8 Summit? Yes, I think that's it. And it's a favourite of mine as well because of growing up, my mother had this record of a a lady called Bridie Gallagher and she sang a a beautiful song uh, about Ballycastle and about, um, you know, about... Ballycastle, you know, and the Yellow Man, Dolphin Yellow Man, and and it was something that was always in my mind of how I can actually make things like that to share it with other people. So I'm the lucky person that can that I've got gift to actually cook and be able to share more and more items like that. Your mother obviously was an inspiration to you in the kitchen. Were there any other people that you looked up to growing up that you admired for their cooking skills? I think that um, I'm, there is lots of people, and I think it, it, I can have to say that in this day and age, I admire everyone that's actually able to share great knowledge and not look for anything back from it. But I, for, for people, you know, uh, in America, it was it was a lady called Alice Waters, and she was a great inspiration because when I worked in Berkeley in California, it was a restaurant at that stage that had won the best in the world, and I thought wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to go and work in somewhere like that? And I got the opportunity to do that. And really what I learned was was, was vast and, and was so a lot. And what, what it really was was about simplicity. What was simplicity? And it was really all about taking the best of local ingredients, cooking it as little as possible, and serving it with great skill and passion um, to the guests. So that that itself, you know, was, was great. And that would be Alice Waters of Shea Panisse fame who was actually down in Ballymaloo at Litfest this year and is very much as you say about using in-season ingredients locally sourced as you know cutting down on the air miles and whatnot. And I think I think we you know I have a big sign up in the kitchen let's look after Francie not Francois. Very good. <laughs> I like it. I like it. 
Now, the book was published in the US and there's a Lynn Marie Hulsman that you wrote it with. Tell us a bit about her. I think one of the, the great things was that when I wanted to write this book and I, and I, I had this thought of, you know, um, if, you think, if, you, if you think it, you can do it. And if you think small, you'll always be small. If you think big, it can be big. And I, I had this, this, this in my head that, you know, it would be, wouldn't it be a wonderful opportunity if I got somebody to help me um, in New York? So I went to New York and I got my, an agent, a, a literary agent. So from there then I looked then for, uh, with her, um, it was a lady called Sharon Bars. And with Sharon then we, we got a writer, a co-writer to help um, translate a lot of the, my words into the American terms, since it's American, it would be American publisher. And within days, uh, we had uh, written up a proposal, sent it off to five publishing houses, and within uh, five days, we had a deal. Wow. Amazing. It's like a dream come true. And how long would it have taken then to put the book together? Because, I mean, it's a fairly substantial book. Lots of beautiful photographs as well as the lovely recipes. Obviously, the anecdotes that I mentioned before about the stories that you've included in it about yourself. So, you know, it's fairly substantial. I'd imagine it took a long time to put it all together. It did. And I think that was the focus of it was really everything... um, Everything about me, <laughs> being honest with you, from my childhood until now, is in this. It's nearly like an autobiography in some sense, Sam. And honestly, it really is. It tells it tells the truth, nothing but the truth, <laughs> in this. And in some ways, I wanted something that wasn't um, fine dining as such, because it's very easy to think that you can work in all of the best establishments in the world. And obviously, I've been very fortunate to study, you know, and finish in school in Paris in the Ecole Nord to many great schools in America to uh, a lot of the great schools here that I was brought up in. So being educated and being very much in more a formal and very much, uh, if people want to put it as fancy food, uh, you know, that wasn't what I really wanted to do. I wanted to so that this book could be used by my niece and my nephews and something that they would they would be able to find fun food and very tasty food and easy at that as well so with with that um, it was very important that I created something that was um, something very much passionate to my heart and that was the Irish pantry and it took roughly um, between between thinking of wanting to do it getting an agent two years which isn't too bad because I mean it is it's a serious book with a lot of information in it and obviously as you're talking there about time going back and forth and trying to find somebody so I mean I'm fairly impressed that it, it was a two year timeline so I think I think regardless for anyone and I and I would urge everyone in Ireland to write about their journey of life and about if it's cooking or it's pa- it's all about our passion and it's this there's no better time to really do something because there's so many people like the, the one of the greatest people which I totally admire in Ireland is Myrtle Allen I mean one of the, the icons I think and Dorina and Rachel I, I mean these are only uh, only a few um, of great people from the likes of Nevin Maguire to the likes of other great chefs in Northern Ireland uh, and 
Southern Ireland, all over. So I really think that it's time now for us all to be very proud of what we do, get out there and start singing the song of how great a country it is. And I think also that grandparents need to be capturing those recipes and documenting them for their their grandchildren. That that's something I have I'm constantly on it. My mother in law be doing. She's a great baker, and I gave her one of these little recipe books that she can put her recipes into, so that that she can hand them down to my daughter and her granddaughter. I think that's so so important because um, some of the recipes that I have in this book um, from the Harmony Cake to many other uh, cakes was cake, cake recipes that were handed down from my aunt or my or a couple of my aunts or my granny. Um, and there are things that, that are very much were part and parcel of the likes of uh, what we do here in, you know, in Northern Ireland uh, for years and years and years. Do you have any plans to write a second book? Oh, this is the exciting part. Oh, do um, tell. I think I think there might be. <laughs> okay, you're not able to say anything at the moment. I think I, I'm. Being honest with you, I'm over the moon with everything that has happened so far. Um, I'm working hard where I work at at the Loch Erin Resort, uh, which is an amazing place, which I love working. Um, I'm able to tour the world at different stages because with this book, I was able to launch it in Belfast. Um, London, New York, Washington, Nashville, Charlotte, um, Atlanta. I, it's just like a whirlwind. I mean, to say to be able to do, take holidays and be able to do these great things is just an amazing experience. Well, it is a wonderful book. Congratulations again on the recognition that it has got at the World Cookbook Awards. It probably didn't need that recognition, but it's always lovely to win an award. So, congratulations. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard me chatting to Chef Noel McMeal about his wonderful award-winning cookbook Irish Pantry and it really is a beautiful book and uh, we'll be looking at a few other books in the weeks to come including one that Temple Street has out to raise funds for the hospital there in Dublin. Next though it's time to find out about what food events are taking place this month with Sinead Hennessy from Fulch Ireland. We've been flat out during June so let's find out if July is equally as busy. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sinead, we have had a very busy month of events in June. Is July going to be equally as busy? Absolutely. It is. We are lining up for an equally busy month in July, Sharon. There's loads going on. What are we going to start off with? So I'm going to start off with um, starting this weekend, which is on the 11th and 12th of July, we have the Valencia Island King Scallop Festival. That's just off the, the, the west coast of Kerry. Um, it's now in its sixth year and it promises visitors gorgeous local seafood in beautiful secluded scenery. Um, I've been to a few Valencia events over the years, Sharon, and they would be in my, my, definitely my top five, if not my top two in terms of the crack. They're fantastic. So the entertainment for the, the King Scallop Festival is going to include live music, 
busking, fishing, there's going to be sports competitions um, also a number of family orientated events are going to take place such as face painting, scallop shell painting and a kids triathlon so plenty to do for the kids down there as well um, a, a kind of an interesting one actually for this one is over the event they're going to be having a little blessing of the boat ceremony which sounds like an interesting um, element to it of course, there's going to be plenty of stalls offering freshly cooked scallops um, for everybody to sample. And the highlight of the festival is the crowning of Mr. King's Scallop 2015. Does he get a nice crown made out of scallop shells, I wonder? Well, I wonder, I wonder. <laughs> that, should be, that should be good, wouldn't it? I must say now that scallops would be one of my favourite uh, shellfish. I, I do really love them, so I do. Mine too, mine too. And um, from reading the profile of the event, um, they are shellfish that are very, very hard to get. Um, and it, it takes a lot to get them. So they're quite a special um, seafood. And it's, it really is all about celebrating that. It's, the event itself is, is, has been has been organised and is being run by locals on the island um, which you know when when events are like that I think it really kind of gives it a special effect as well. And there's so much hard work goes into it whenever it is a community event whenever they don't have those big event companies and the expertise and the marketing support there so that's right a good one for people to go and support. To meet the, the you know those who are immersed in a place and then you know everybody you'll meet as part of this festival will know so much about the island and about the history and the heritage and all of that kind of stuff. So all of that is really, really good, a good good element to a, a festival. And a very beautiful part of the country also. Gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful when the sun shines. And another lovely part of the country is Donegal, of course. That's it, that's it. Um, happening on the same weekend, which is the 11th and 12th as well, we have the Homegrown Food Festival um, and that's happening in Letterkenny. Um, I've been doing a bit of work myself up around the, the northwest in Donegal and Letterkenny, and I have to say they are emerging so much um, as as a really, really strong food kind of destination, and they have a really strong food offering up there. So the Homegrown Food Festival is dedicated to showcasing the best and most creative producers and restaurants in the northwest. There's going to be some celebrity chefs up there, which will include Kevin Dundon, Rachel Allen, Brian McDermott. um, And the whole event is going to be hosted by a local famous chef, Martin Anderson, um, along with all of the usual excitement from exhibitors. And there is going to be a lot there, let me tell you. Brian McDermott has been on the show in the past, the No Salt Chef. He's all about using the herbs. And um, recently we spoke to Gary O'Hanlon, who's the head chef in Viewmont House in Longford, and he comes from that neck of the woods as well. Mm, yeah, I mean, the, the produce and I suppose how forward-thinking they are in terms of, of what they're offering up there is, 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 is great. And it's certainly going to, to be prevalent in, in this event so along, you know, uh, there's going to be a host of kids' activities happening. Um, the brand new this year is going to be the Homegrown Food Awards. So they, uh, this award will aim to highlight um, artisan, and I suppose celebrate artisan producers and recognise the hard work that they do. So that festival takes place from 11am to 7pm on the Saturday and 11 to 6 on the Sunday. 
Okay, so two great days up there in County Donegal. And then you have two more events that are taking place in July and they're events that are kind of, they're not just on a single weekend. That's right, that's right. Um, we have Fela Namara, which is Ackle Island's Festival of the Sea up in County Mayo. Um, it's an annual festival um, as well um, and really celebrates the, the rich maritime heritage that exists in Ac- on Ackle Island. The community there is very, very much connected with the sea. So the event, the weekend, the, the, I suppose the, the event in itself um, which happens on the 17th to, from the 17th to the 19th of July um, will kick off on the Friday evening with a launch party there's going to be a harbour festival on the Saturday um, you can go along to Perteen Harbour down there for fresh locally sourced produce there's going to be lobster tagging seaweed safaris demonstrations and a lot more but as part of that, um, as you said, Sharon, this event has extended to to a longer period where up in Ackle, oh, through the summer or through the, the, the month of July, there is going to be additional events around that and on every weekend. One of them, you know, which I think is cool, is a movie on a beach night, which is happening one of the weekends there as well. And that's it, it's just very interesting and it's very creative. Oh, that sounds lovely. So it does. Mm, yeah, on the Sunday actually, on the 19th, you can take a boat trip to um, to look at the sea cliffs around the other side of the island. So it's a very kind of rarely seen um, view of Ackle, which is going to be stunning as well. I hope they get the weather for it, I really do. I've never been to Ackle Island, but it is connected to the mainland, I believe, by a road. You don't have yes. to get a boat to it. No, 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 you can drive out there, but it is... You know, once you once you once you are out there, you really get a sense that you are on an island, if you know what I mean. Um, and it kind of has that mentality out there. But there's so much to do. And the scenery that. is stunning. I've heard also beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Definitely somewhere that I need to get up to at some stage. Yeah, you should. You should. It's going to be very very busy this this season. I'd say up around that that area. Closer to to me here now in West Limerick is the Taste of Loch Derg. That's right, that's right. And you know what? I'm a really big fan of this. Um, so this is going to be happening in the, in the Loch Derg area. Um, so around, you know, Nina, Bird Hill, you know, Killaloo, all the way up to um, Coolbawn, um, Portumna, all the way up there um, around, let's say, the, the Lakeland area. Um, the months of June, July and August, so we're kind of coming in at the start of this. A series, of, a series of food events are going to be taking place to showcase some of the food that's been produced in the in in the region, from chocolate making to cheese tasting. Um, the events, a lot of the events from Reading Through It actually have a great educational element, but not like history lesson. Um, there seems to be an education and full a fun element to all of them. So the calendar events is packed. Um, so you can choose from things like farm walks with local producers there's make and taste um, which are always great if you've got a group with you um, meet the producers one of them actually is you can take a picnic by, by the lake and on, on, on one of the nights also there is a local produce feast night so as I said it runs from for, for, for the months of Ju- June, July, August and September so you know sometimes I find that 
um, regrettably schedules I get so busy in my schedules I can't take in something that I may want to but because this is such a long series um, it's something that I'll, de- I'll definitely get up to one of the events that is, that is happening up there this summer it's great to see groups of communities and producers and people that make very innovative products coming together to collaborate and host a series of, of events like this. That's right. And, and we're, we're seeing more and more of it, actually, from, from my own perspective. It is fantastic because, you know, at the end of the day, you want, uh, you know, everything is connected and by showcasing that connection and telling the story around it I think you're giving more to to the customer Um, and you know that's a very very important part of what we do in this industry. And one of the first products you mentioned there was chocolate making and I have had the pleasure of enjoying the fabulous Loch Derg chocolates. To be honest with you um, I'm I'm not sure if I've tasted them yet but I must look at my calendar to see if I can get up. I think there's two, actually. There's two chocolate-making events. One is up around Nina, and the other one is... Yeah, that's that's the, the, the Loch Derg chocolate. That's right, yes. Malachy there used to be a builder, and then when the recession came, he was looking for something different to do. So he got into the chocolate-making, and, and himself, along with his wife, Elaine, they've made a huge success of it and they've all the different flavours there I particularly love the the orange flavoured one and they also do little lollipops that the kids would love that are you know just small enough for them to to handle and not get too messy with it Oh great, well that's definitely something I'll I'll, I'll take in actually that's on Friday the 25th of July Um, so yeah there's going to be a great demonstration up there Well, if you do meet Elaine or Malachy, be sure to tell them I said hello. I will do. I will do. And in the meantime, if people want to find out more about these events, where's the website that they should go to? Um, discoverireland.ie forward slash food full listing of events now of course each each of the events in themselves have their own websites that are linked off that so if you want to find out further information you can link it off. Fantastic, Sinead. Thanks so much for coming on to talk to us tonight and we will talk to you again in a few weeks and you can let us know what's happening in August. Will do. Thanks, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Thanks again to Sinead and we look forward to her return to tell us what is on in August. And as you know, in July, the Listool Food Fair was on and one of its key events was the Best Emerging Artisan Food Product Awards. This year's winner was the Carry Tropical Spice Mix by Dublin company Spice Devils. I got a chance to catch up with the company's founder, Shaquille Jurobergen, at the awards dinner. So let's have a listen to what he had to say. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Shaquille, you are the founder of Spice Devils. Tell us what the company is. Um, Spice Devils is a spice company that I've uh, established last year. And we got the name actually from my little daughter, who is my little devil. And we're trying to make clean spices without salt, sugar, and keep it allergen-free and gluten-free. You're from Mauritius yourself, yes. so is this? Are these spices that you would have grown up with? Yes, actually, they are spices. All spices comes from India, like from what we do. Mauritius, like our background, my great 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 granddad is actually from India or Pakistan somewhere. But 
view the situation of Mauritius, we have been colonized by the French, by the British, and we have Chinese people living there. It's like a multiracial country, and everyone brought their part together. And now we have our own land, which is completely different from the Indian spice plants. And the taste is different. Like, let's say, I have one, which is a dough. It's derived from the French casserole, but it's actually a Mauritian stuff now. The Mauritian word for curry is curry, is that right? Yes, that's it. Yeah, and I've named one curry, K-A-R-I, just to differentiate it from the normal curry that people um, are used to. You have three products in the range at the moment. Tell me about those. Yep, I'm actually doing the curry, the dough and the tikka. The tikka is nearly the same as the Indian one, but this one, is they are bland, actually. They are not hot at all, and even kids are child-friendly. But I've included sachet of chili inside so that people can increase the heat in their food if they like. They can sprinkle it on or all the mixes. You can cook it as in a sauce or you can use it as rub for a barbecue, for roast in the oven. So there are three very versatile products. You can add them to your coconut milk or your tin of chopped tomatoes. You can use cooked meat with it, raw meat with it. Yes, anything. You can cook. Even seafood is lovely with them. You're from Mauritius, as I said before. You were a policeman there. What brought you to Ireland? The weather. Free air I don't believe that. No, it's free air conditioning over here. You don't pay electricity for that, you know. How long have you lived in Ireland now? Um, it's nearly eight years now. And I love it here. And your family with you here tonight? Yeah, everyone is here, especially my little daughter, and she don't want to leave me alone. Well, listen, have a fabulous night, and thanks so much for talking to Thank me. You, Thank you very much. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. That, sadly, is all we have time for this evening on Best Possible Taste. Thanks so much for your company and to all of tonight's guests. Rachel Keeley, Karen Coakley, Noel McMeal, Sinead Hennessy and Shaquille Jiro-Burkham. Remember the podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show if you missed any of the show tonight or maybe an older one or you just want to tell a friend. And before I go, I have to appeal for your vote for Hardy's Food from Tralee in County Kerry. That's the company that does the, the nice jellies. They've been shortlisted as part of a nationwide campaign to receive funding under the IU Domain Registry's Optimise Fund 2015. An online public vote will select 10 of the final 15 fund recipients. All you have to do is log on to www.iedr.ie forward slash optimise to vote for Hardee's and voting closes in a couple of days on the 10th of July. So best of luck to Melanie Hardy and her team for that. So until next week, when I'll be talking sherry with food and wine writer Leslie Williams, have a fantastic week and uh, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.